0: Um, so I've mentioned before that Denzel Washington has kind of uh, always been one of my favorite actors. And there's some key scenes that I just love. I've actually played this scene before. It's been a couple of years. I figure it'd be all right. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes. It's from the movie John Q. And Denzel Washington believes that he's going to give his life For his son, obviously, some significant Christian symbolism uh, in that. And and he believes that this is his final words to his son. When you think about the significance of final words this morning, final prayers, and how important those words are in, in that final moment, the last thing that he has to say to his son.
1: You got a guardian angel, Mike, Mike, just try to stay awake, just just for a minute, okay? I just need to tell you a few things. Okay, Judge. You always listen to your mother. Does you treat them like princesses? Cause that's what they are. When you say you're going to do something, when you say you're going to do something. money you you make money if you get a chance even if you gotta sell out every once in a while you make as much money as you can don't be stupid like your father everything is so much easier with money son don't smoke be kind to people if somebody chooses you you know we talked about this you stand up you be a man and
0: Such a a powerful, poignant moment. Have you ever been in that context where there were some final words to someone or final prayers that you've heard from someone or that you were to give final words or prayers? We lost my dad suddenly and we didn't have the opportunity to say final words. My mom on the other hand, they were uh, able to uh, sustain her uh, on life support while um, uh, the kids flew in and those closest and and we got to have some final words uh, with my mom. I don't know how much she received or heard, but it was a great comfort to us kids to spend those times. I remember being so blessed that I was able just to simply tell her, I love her and I'm gonna miss her so much. I'm entering back into that moment, sorry. And how appreciative I was for her influence in my life. And, and, and especially spiritually, that, that her life was, was beautiful and significant. And to be able to make sure, tell her I, how thankful I was for that. And then to say it's okay to go and be with Jesus. And someday we'll be with you again. We'll, we'll, we'll be together. Did you hear Denzel Washington, the, the, the character says that I'll always be with you in that way. We've been walking through Jesus' prayer uh, of John 17. Would you turn uh, there with me one more time? And I saved the last three verses to, to have a, a sermon on their own. Uh, we could have included these sermons in, in last weeks as we talked about complete unity, but these three verses I, I felt were, were were so significant that they they stood on their own. I wanted us to to pause this final prayer that Jesus would say before he 's arrested, right after john John eighteen is going to initiate the events. Uh, uh, of his arrest and ultimately crucifixion and ascension right so we celebrated the he, he comes in the triumphal entry and then he spends this time uh, with his disciples uh, um, he teaches them last supper communion and then he prays right they're all right there and he prays we've been walking we've seen all these beautiful prayers that he has prayed he, he defines eternal life to, to know God experientially, that personal relationship. He's saying, that is the life. That's the life I'm enabling you is to, to know and walk with the Father. He talks about revelation. He says, I have revealed to you, I've revealed to you who God is and really what this world is about and who you are calling us to be a people of revelation, ongoing revelation. He talks about sanctification, that you are to be set apart for the work I've called you to do. He talks about mission, and he, and he prays, Father, I pray that you would not take them out of the world, but they would be in the world. They'd be doing the stuff. He prays for protection. He knows that we have an enemy of our soul who will be at work scheming and plotting and planning to bring us down to frustrate our work. And he says, I pray, Father, for their protection. And then, of course, last week we talked about this idea of oneness, of complete Unity, this divine fellowship of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and incredibly He invites us into that fellowship. And I wonder what's the what's the final prayer that that Jesus would say? What what would be that last request that He would give to the Father for His disciples, his apostles, for for you and I. Now if you haven't read the verses just yet, don't don't read them yet. Look up. All right, what do you think? What, do you, what would you imagine? My first thought of what his final prayer would be is, Father, would you please don't let them mess up everything I've done? All right, help them not to be so dull. Have you heard they're so dull sometimes? Uh, Help them, or or maybe a prayer of faith. Lord, they seem to waver so easily. Could could you increase their faith, God? Please help. Or another thought I've had is one more year, God. I know you've had a plan and timetable, but just give me one more year with them. They really need it, right? I'm wrong on all those accounts. In fact, his his final prayer to me is somewhat surprising and, and also inspirational. And there's a, there's a simplicity to it and yet a depth to it. I wanted us to pause and just notice his final prayer in its simplicity and its depth. We're picking up his prayer in John 17 in verse 24. Just three verses, 24 and 25 and 26. Remember, he's prayed all of this. He's with the apostles in the upper room. He's praying all these things and he says, verse 24, Father, Here's the final prayer. I want those you have given me to be with me. With me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, he's picking up themes that he's prayed throughout John 17. Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. There's a a simplicity of a simple preposition. The essence of Jesus' final prayer is that you and I would be with him. That's it. Have you ever... Do you ever have those times where you just want to be with someone? No particular thing to do or no agenda. You just, you, you just long to be with that person. There's different times that I just wanna be with my wife, Kendra. I invite her to go walk the dog and go to the grocery store just because I wanna be with her and, and in her presence. My kids sometimes. Not so much as they've been in teenagers, but you know, when they were young and cute, right? <laughs> There's still times. I just want to be with them, right? I, I love them, that fellowship. Can you believe that this is Jesus' final words? That, that he just wants to be with you and me, I, that, that, that's incon- just that he would love me. That It's even more inconceivable, but he want to be with you all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the tenderness of that prayer, right? The, the love of that prayer that he would say, I, I just want to be with them. Now, there's also some ability of confusion, right? There's a simplicity in that one preposition, but the ability of some confusion as well, right? Because he's praying that for his apostles, and where are his apostles in that moment? They're with him, right? Can you imagine that they would be like, what? That we would be with him? I imagine Peter looking up and going, you know, about to interrupt Jesus, and then maybe John go. Shh, no, no, Peter, you, are, you, you mess it up so much. Just, just let him finish the prayer, right? The, this idea. So, like Peter would have go. We are with you. I mean, we're we're with you all the 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 way. What what's going on? Why would Jesus pray at least for for the apostles to be with him when they were with him? I think the answer is in the rest of that verse, verse 24, he says, For those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. In other words, Jesus, here's what I believe Jesus is doing, is he is talking about fellowship He is talking about togetherness. He is talking about unity as we talked about last week. But what he's doing is he's praying beyond that moment with his apostles. He's praying beyond the pain and struggle of the cross. He's praying beyond not just his struggle and difficulty and pain. He is praying for this idea of togetherness beyond your pain and difficulty in the world. He's looking at the fellowship and the togetherness and the unity when all things are done when all the pain and the struggle and every tear is wiped away, when heaven comes to earth and the earth is restored and there's no more pain and sorrow, when the kingdom of God is fully here and is consummated, when Jesus steps into his full glory and we see Jesus for truly who he is, And then we're with him at the end of time. He's pointing the same direction that at the end of Revelation points us. In Revelation um, 21 says this. We have this on the screen. Pay attention to that little preposition. This is a picture of the end times, last times. It's an eschatological picture, the theologians say. When all is full, it says, and I heard a loud voice with the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is, is with men and he will live with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and and, and be there. God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You see, Jesus is looking. You can think about, some of you know the story of the Transfiguration, when right in the middle of Jesus, he brings, in, of his ministry, he brings Peter and James and John, and they go up to the mountainside, and then Jesus reveals himself in full glory. And they see Jesus. They get a glimpse of the kingdom of God because they see Jesus for truly who he is, the only begotten son of God. They see that. And then Jesus is praying, I pray that they be with me in my full glory. They'd see me for who I am. And we would be together. Complete unity hey if you want to impress your friends and they ask so how was church today you can just say you know the pastor was talking about eschatological community <laughs> and then throw on throw in it was a little light i wish he would have gone deeper a little bit theologically but it was okay it was all right right you could really impress them in that way right what jesus is pointing to is this idea of the ultimate community of faith the ultimate togetherness and he, was de- he is delighting in that moment when all has passed the wedding banquet of the lamb and we are with him now we're going to get to application you wonder what I'll bring the application is right we're going to get to application can we go just a wee bit deeper Yes? You with me on this? Uh, no, are you really with me on the okay? All right. Well, I'll get you, I'll catch you up here. So there's there's a deeper meaning in, in this too, in that you find that if you look at verse, the first verse again, he says that I want them to see me. See my glory. That, that Greek word, it's kind of a fun word. It is Theo Rio. The, it's to see that Theo Rio. This is what the word means. It means yes, to see, to view, to behold. It means to observe with sustained attention. How desperately do we need that in our culture? How many things do you observe with sustained attention? It's getting less and less in our day and culture, right? Jesus is saying, I want them to observe with sustained attention, and then the also, as part of that word, has an experience to it. It also means to enjoy the presence of He's saying, I want them to enjoy my presence, to be with me, to see me, and to reveal, see who I truly am and experience my presence. Well little side note, write this down for those of you who are taking notes at home. 1 John 3, 2 and 3, Jesus, uh, uh, the Apostle John, talks about the dynamic of when Jesus returns for a second time and restores all things. And he says this, uh, we don't have this in the bulletin on the screen. He says this, 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been. Made known. Who you and I truly are, and actually scripture wraps in our glory, is not fully known. But we know that when Christ appears, he's talking about the second time, we shall be like him, for we shall see him. As he is. This is the same idea that Jesus is talking about. He, he's longing for them, for us, to see him as he really is, his full glory, the only begotten son. And when he returns, we shall apprehend, we will see him. And at the same time, we'll fully know who we are. Amen? Amen. Bam? Wow, that's quite a final prayer of Jesus, right? He's looking to this moment. He's seeing it and he's praying, Father, I can't wait for that to take place. Sometimes I wish you guys didn't need application. Sometimes just to sit in this profound truth, right? Could we do that? I would love to, that's good enough for me. Let's just sit there, right? All right. We need application. There's a principle in the kingdom of God that makes all of these profound thoughts very applicable. In fact, surprisingly, even though this is profoundly theological, there's a principle that makes just about everything very applicable in our lives. And it's a principle that Jesus often casts what is coming, what is the kingdom of God, what will life be like, what will community be like. When when this time, this era has passed away and the heaven comes to earth and all is restored, he paints a picture that's to fill us with hope and joy and anticipation and yet the principle in the kingdom of god is that picture of the future gets to be realized in this moment right now not in full but in part that we get to experience this idea Call it whatever you want. Let me go eschatological community. Call it this divine with, this invitation of fellowship within the kingdom of God, the wedding banquet of the lamb. Jesus is praying that, but he says we get to experience that right now. In this moment, in part. In fact, that's the very last verse of the prayer just before he's about to be arrested in, in John chapter 18. Look at the final verse. He says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may s- myself may be in them. Different preposition. Same idea is that there's a beautiful picture. Jesus says, I just want to be with them. And then he's referencing the Holy Spirit. He says, but now while they wait in the in-between time, my love, your love, Father, I will be in them. That we get to answer Jesus' final prayer in part, right here, right now. It's the already but not yet of the kingdom. It's the now but not yet of the kingdom. We get to be a part of answering Jesus' heart and desire to be with him now and one another. That's where the the practical application comes in is that we get to say, what does it look like to be with Jesus in the here and now? You read over Jesus' ministry like in the Garden of Gethsemane, There's different times when he's just saying, guys, I need you to be with me in this moment. I want you to be with me. Matthew 26, it says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. They were kind of his inner circle in that moment. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Listen to what he says. Stay here and keep watch with me. Would you be here with me? As we journey in this holy week, we're gonna seek to be with Jesus. As we remember these moments of Gethsemane, as we remember The struggle and the pain and the joy of suffering. I believe that Jesus wants us to be with Him all year round, every day of the calendar, especially in Holy Week. He wants us to be with Him. I want to encourage you this week. The, this Holy Week, would you make it unique in your relationship with Christ? I, I mean, I, it's so easy. We're, we're busy, we're on the move, we're working, we've got things to do and people to see and all those kind of things. And very easily, we could get to Easter service and this week before us is just like any other week. Has that happened to you before, previous Holy Weeks? Yeah? Don't let that happen again. Would you respond to Jesus' final prayer in this unique way? Would you be with him this week? And I think he'll have a way of, of teaching us a little bit. So remember, some of you remember the, the little booklet. They still sell it. I couldn't find it. I was looking to reread it, but it's... Um, My heart, Christ's home. Remember that? Some of you read that little booklet. It's a little booklet. I hope I remember it correctly. It's been like 20 years since I've read it. But um, I still have a visual picture in my mind when the booklet talks about that Jesus wants to enter into every room of our lives whether it's it's the the kitchen or the bedroom whether it's the 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 closets or the living room right that Jesus he doesn't want us to compartmentalize him he he wants to be his home is right here he's in us right with us and the picture that i still associate with that little booklet is it talked about taking a little bit of time in the morning that Jesus is there in front of the fireplace like a friend waiting for us to come and and find a seat next to him and converse. I hope I'm remembering that's from uh, my heart Christ home, right? Okay, a few yeses, okay. And I remember thinking of that and I was right in that period of busyness and I was just running out to the things I had to do. And when I read that in the booklet, it caught me. It gave me this visual of Jesus sitting by the fireplace. I didn't have a fireplace at the time. But sitting by the fireplace and waiting to be with me, to talk with me for my day. And that was a little bit of incentive to go, boy, if this was Jesus' heart, if that even, with me? Shouldn't I want to take that little bit of extra time to be with him? I want to challenge you this week, this holy week, take a little bit of time to be with Jesus, to sit down, to read of the the passion of Christ in the gospels, and to hear what he's saying. I took the liberty to to write a few questions. I love questions. Jesus asked questions of people throughout his entire ministry. Did you know that continually through his ministry, people ask questions of Jesus to get a response? Like it's, uh, what was, wrote the number. Someone actually counted this and they counted 116 questions that people had of Jesus throughout his ministry, right? I found that on the internet, so it must be right, right? So so 116 questions that they asked about Jesus. What must I do to be saved, right? Whose sin was that? All these things, and and Jesus answered. I I think all of them save a, a handful, two or three redirected. Here's some questions to ask Jesus. Again, to read a little bit of scripture, to be with him, to calm your soul and your heart. Here's a question that it pops up in my soul every, every Easter. Why did your sacrifice have to be so great, Jesus? Couldn't have you just made it a little bit less harsh? Second question. What's the aspect of your sacrifice, the, the passion week, this journey, that you would like me to reflect on most this week? All right. that's, all of you know the Easter story. Most of you do, right? Unless you've been living under a rock, all right? To reread and invite the freshness of the spirit into the story what aspect of your sacrifice what moment is it the, the lord's supper monday thursday is it good friday is it on the cross is it is it that that saturday that day the the the, the time in between of the sacrifice and the and the resurrection what is that Moment that you would like me to slow down and just hear you in a fresh way and speak to me this Holy Week. And then a good question to ask Is there something you're inviting me to change? Friends, there is a constant work. He wants this constant work of spiritual formation in our lives. We can lose sight of that, right? Sometimes we, we associate the faith just in these terms. What does God want me to do for him, right? Or what can I get from God, right? What do I need? Help, support, right? Our prayers can be in those ways. And yet the core of the faith is that he's saying, you don't really know who you truly are yet, who I've created you to be you won't fully know who you truly are until Christ comes back or you die and return to him. And so he's trying to continually form and shape who we are. So Lord, what, what are you saying? How are you wanting to change and touch and heal and restore and renew me this Easter? Are you with me on those questions? Yeah, yes. They're in your bulletin. Bring them home. Bring them do that. Do that in the stations of the cross. <laughs> do that at home with Jesus. Now, not to neglect the other important part of this community and fellowship that Jesus continues to cast a with in our relationship with him, but also that corporate With, that we're not called simply to an individual relationship with Christ. The faith is incomplete unless you're sharing it with brothers and sisters. And he's calling us to the fellowship. It's not just you and God at the end of time, right? It's with our brothers and sisters in the faith. Do we wait for that until the end of time? We get to live that now, right? The now and not yet full consummation. So I want you to think about this also, not how would you be with Christ in a unique way this Holy Week? How would you be with one another in this Holy Week. The Apostle Paul talking about relationships talking about Christian community he says this let love be genuine hate what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with a mutual affection there's that little preposition with mutual affection outdo one another in showing honor and respect and blessing do not lag in zeal be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord boy if we just did that those verses right it would transform our community and our love and our mutual affection for one another Again, I I took the liberty to write some questions for us. I want to challenge you this next week with a friend, a spouse, a kid, one of your own preferably, but if you have a good relationship with another kid, find someone, maybe an extended family member, And would you ask these questions? One question is, how is your soul? Could you move beyond the, boy, it was a cold weather. We had this, yeah. (laughs) Looks like it's going to be rainy this next week. Okay, God bless, see ya. Most of our conversations go, right? How could we move a little bit deeper with other people in this. By the way, uh, after Easter, we're going to launch a series. We'll talk about it next week. And it's called Sacred Friends. Sacred Relationships. I'm, con- I'm convinced that God calls us to live in this incredible, amazing community and relationships of depth And yet we know so little how to do that well. And we're going to look at sacred friendships in Scripture. Jesus and the Apostle John. Paul and Timothy. Ruth and Naomi. We're going to look at some of these sacred friendships and say, how were they living out these sacred friendships? (laughs) I think it's going to be a neat community. All right, Josh, you're trying to get me off the stage, I see. God bless you, my friend. You're still a sacred friend. But now I'm not going to talk to you for the rest of the month of April. No, I'm just kidding. Two more questions. What do you think the Lord is saying to you this holy week? Wouldn't that be neat if we asked a friend as they're journeying? Hey, what do you you think the Lord is saying to you? I'm convinced that we're in part in fellowship. We're, we're to learn to discern the voice of God, to help one another recognize the voice of our shepherd. And the third question is this: what do you think he's inviting you to do this Easter? That might look different. Wouldn't that be great if if, if we entered a depth of connection with Jesus and connection with one another in this Holy Week. I think then we'd be doing and living into the Holy Week as God intended. Okay, now the rest of the worship team, that was my last question, is there. And I wanted to ask, this is the last week of prayer And would you reflect for just a moment? I want to be a sacred friend for you this morning. Would you close your eyes and listen? May the prayer team, if they want to come forward. So what's the Lord speaking to you in this moment? Is it specifically about this divine fellowship, intimacy, with him or others? I just see Jesus' delight if we were in part the answer to his final prayer. Is he speaking to you about some of the other things that he prayed about in this chapter of prayer? Maybe sanctification. You haven't been living a set, in a set apart way, not caught up in the things of the world. The faith has kind of floated to the background. He's wanting you to live into that set apart way. Maybe it's about mission. Maybe you've been so focused on your personal mission or calling, you've lost the sense of the kingdom mission. You need to recapture that. Would you take a moment just between you and the Spirit of God, I'd like to pray for that if you'd like to share that prayer request with the prayer folks, this would be the time to do it. Just ask them to to pray, what is he saying your life in the here, in this moment, in the now?